0: Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort.
1: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy, So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem <laughs> of a detour.
2: Hi, welcome to the NASCAR and NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan, back here in the NBC Sports Charlotte studio after uh, a brief absence. And I'm joined by man of the hour, Kyle Petty, NASCAR and NBC analyst. And uh, I'll be talking about this a little bit later. Also, a new author of uh, his memoir, Swerve or Die. So, nothing um, on the pages, but it's a nice cover.
3: (laughs) We're
1: going to talk about this. (laughs) It's a nice cover.
2: But first, I want to talk to you about Michigan, NASCAR Ooh. Cup Series race. A lot happened, Kyle. Like, the doomsday scenario has arrived for some drivers. Wow. Ryan Blaney and Martin Truex Jr. Th- that we now have 15 regular season winners in the Cup Series with Kevin Harvick winning at Michigan. Before we get into Harvick, you know, DJ's been saying for a couple of months that he thought there'd be 16 winners. Yes, he has. Yeah. Uh, where have you stood no. on this? No. I said didn't? no way. Yeah.
0: but and, and I said no way because I could have got you to 15. You know, you know what I mean. I, I could, I could realistically, with Talladega, um, or excuse me, with Daytona, and with the races that we had coming up, two or three races ago. You know, if you if you took those five or six races, I can say, okay, man, I I can get you to 15. But nowhere in getting you to 15 did I have Kevin Harvick. Nowhere, mm-hmm. nowhere. Okay. So for Kevin Harvick to win a race and take a position, wow. That was, I mean, it, it shocked me. It, it honestly, and, and not, and, and I think Kevin said something yesterday, and it struck me that I have said it, but I've not meant it the way it's probably come out and not meant it the way I've said it. Kevin said,
1: Everybody who doubted us doesn't know us. <laughs>
0: and I thought to myself, I don't believe I ever counted Kevin Harvick out or counted Rodney Childers out. I counted Ford out. I counted Ford out because I have not seen any speed yeah. from SHR or Ford. I've not seen a lot of speed from Penske and Ford. So I think I was had a bias to the manufacturer, not to Kevin. I mean, I've been a Kevin fan forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they just get it done. They just grind it out. And then he made the comment, you know, we ran good at New Hampshire. We ran pretty good at Pocono and got in that wreck. And I went, oh, my God, he was right up at the front when he got in that wreck. Yeah. And I'd forgotten all about that. Yeah. Now, Indy. Road courses. <laughs> Kevin can win on a road course, but I don't think about him being the top five or six guys on a road course. You know what I mean? But he's right. Two, or, two or, There's been two or three weeks they've run pretty good. And then I get to thinking, Ooh, now we have the most dangerous man in motorsports <laughs> in the playoffs <laughs> because you don't know what he's got. We've seen Chase Elliott all year. I can prepare for Chase. We've seen Denny Hamlin. I can prepare for Denny. You know what I mean? We've seen these other guys, track house, Ross, J- I can prepare. But Kevin, I hadn't looked at Kevin all year long. You yeah. know what I mean? So how do I, as a competitor, prepare against Kevin Harvick? And I think that's a weird deal.
2: Yeah, and I think that's exactly the, the term dangerous yes. that we heard Jeff Burton, Steve Uthart, yes, Brad Doherty, Marty Snyder all use on the post-race show from Michigan that this is a really dangerous playoff team. I'll read the quote you mentioned to Kyle, but Harvick said,
1: They obviously know that we thrive in these, in these types of situations. And, you know, a lot of things went our way today, which, um, you know, we haven't had. All year long, have things go our way and, and have things fall our way. And then there at the end, we pitted, didn't go a lap down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the caution came out, got control of the race. Uh, that's the thing I struggled with the most today was traffic and the restarts and just having to make up ground. But once I got clear track, that baby was hunting.
2: So, as you said, you're a Kevin Harvick guy. You've gone to Bakersfield. Yep. You spent time with yep. him. You know him away from the track and yes. what, what makes him so good, that grit and that metal that he has. You're right. I, like, the speed has sort of been there recently, but... Hasn't been there as much yeah. as we've seen, certainly, you know, 2020 when he wins nine races. But should we consider him dangerous, him and Rodney Childers, because there is that something extra, there is that experience, there is that mental edge that maybe Harvick especially
0: has? Okay, there, there's that mental edge. And and I'll, I'll give you an, an example. I don't care if he's 80 years old, okay? He has that mental toughness mm-hmm. that not a lot of guys have. Joey Logano has it. You know, I, I think Joey has it, but Kevin has always had it. Rodney is just quietly brilliant. And that's all you can say about him. He thinks things through, he never gets ruffled, he, he just keeps hammering along. Um, he said something else yesterday that stuck out to me. The way the cautions fell, they finally fell our way, and we got control of the race. Kevin Harvick has not been in a position to control any race this season. If we go back to the races he won when he won nine that season, He controlled every one of those races. Mm -hmm. If we go back to watch Kevin's M.O., he and Rodney control the race. It's like watching, when I talk about control in sports, a lot of times I always think back to to Dean Smith and college basketball when he had four corners. He controlled the pace of the game. He just took control of the pace of the game, which threw the other teams off. When these guys get control of the race and can control the pace and the pitting sequence – And everything they want to control, they beat you already because they know their game. And I I think that's what he did. And I think he won the race not with the best car, but with the best strategy, putting himself in position to control the race and then controlling it. Listen, Bubba Wallace was devastated, and he probably should have been because inexperience beat Bubba Wallace. So that's my example of how strong these guys are and how weak – Bubba's team is just from lack of experience. It's not that Bubba's weak. I'm not saying that. But Bubba was put in a position and he spent too much time racing with Kyle Larson. And then he didn't know how to get around Joey. Yeah, yeah. he didn't know how to get around him. So he took himself out of the race. The 11 car with his 31st pit (laughs) road penalty of the year. You know, uh, not Denny's fault. No, not not this time. No, no. not Denny's fault. And I felt bad for Denny because he was three or four tenths faster at the end of the race. Yeah. These are guys that could have won, should have won. But didn't win because Kevin, when Kevin had the opportunity and got out front, he made the most of it. So they weren't going to run him down in 10 or 15 laps. And I think that is what makes these guys, adds a layer of, of danger and mystique and mystery to where they're at is, can they control a chase race? Can they control a race when we get to that part? Can they, do they have anything left? To step up. And that's the part we won't know until it starts. Yeah,
2: and you're right. Like We hadn't really seen evidence that they could just because Kevin hadn't been in that situation. But the first time he's in that situation in 65 races since he's won his last race, he does it. He does it. And it's interesting because you're right. It all turned on this caution for Christopher Bell getting involved with Chastain with about 40 to go. Kevin had just pitted in the pits when the yellow comes out, so he stays out, inherits the lead as everybody else yep. goes to the pits. And then, like you said, that those last 40 laps, he just he drove away, yep. uh, even though he hadn't really been at the front leading it prior to that. When you watch him do that, Kyle, do you see, again, you've been to Bakersfield and Oildale and that whole area yep. there in Central California. Do you see evidence of, like, there's the high school wrestler yep. w- when he's pulling away from guys that Here, last Here's laps? the deal.
0: Here's what I see, Okay. It's like Kevin came out of turn four to take the green, and he and he reached up and he took the mirror and he turned it up. Yeah, I I don't care, I don't care what's behind me. You go, you're gonna have to find your way around me. <laughs> I'm not gonna worry about you. You know what I mean? And and you see that wrestler from the standpoint of I don't care that I'm short, I don't care that I'm light, I don't care who how big you are. Let's go toe to toe. I'm gonna step in here with you and we're gonna scrape. And Kevin went out and run Kevin Harvick qualifying laps for 25 or 30 laps to get that three- or four-second, four-and-a-half, five-second lead. And then he knew there was no way they were going to come out of the pack. There was no way, once he got got that far ahead, that they were going to come. And and you watch the last couple of laps, he just floats it off in the corner and does what he does. And, oh, yeah, he's gaining, he's gaining. He's not gaining, dude. Come on. <laughs> back or down. You know what I mean? There's, isn't your, but. You see that single-minded determination. I, I only care about what's in front of me. I don't care about what's behind me. And yeah. it's catch the next car, catch the next car, catch the next car. Uh, and that's what he did those last laps.
2: Yeah, no question. And like you said, Bubba Wallace is on the other side of that, and with about his heart-wrenching, a second-place interview, as you're going to hear. I want to get to that, but first I want to touch briefly, because I think you're right. I think that Harvick and Childers kind of leveraged that experience yeah. to win this race that the 23 team with Bubba Wallace doesn't have the second year for 2311 racing and there was an interesting quote though from Childers because I think it's fair to say next gen Ford Stuart Haas they've kind of struggled with this car and Childers talked a little bit after the race about how he has probably been hard-headed about the next gen car kind of gradually got
3: better and and honestly that's that's been fun you know just learning this car and I'll admit, I was probably the hard-headed one all year. Just, you know, every week you talk about, well, this is what we did with the old car. This is what we won with, with the old car. Well, none of that matters anymore. So um, when you've done this for 20 years, it's hard to get over that. So um, I've, I've finally started to get over it, and, and hopefully um, that's a good thing, and, and we just keep moving
2: forward. Curious, uh, because you know what it's like to kind of be in racing for yeah. a while and and go through these different iterations of cars, where sometimes the experience... It certainly helped Harvick and Childers at Michigan, but sometimes it can work against you a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah.
0: Sometimes experience is, is an anchor. According to the way Rodney talks about it, there, it's been an anchor for him. It's been a base. It's been an anchor. It's been a safe place to go back to. And, and I think Rodney has always been his most dangerous when he wasn't in a safe place, when everybody else pitted and changed four, and he did too, when everybody else gas and go, and he would change four you know what I mean and then just kill him at the end of the race because he had on fresh tires i mean he's never looked at what everybody else has done and now he's got called in that according to that he's got called in that trap of not looking at what everybody else has done but looking at what i used to do yeah. you know let's go back yeah. to what i used to do yeah. yeah you know what i mean and listen it's like you're a big music guy when a musician starts putting out stuff he did 20 years ago you know, the creative juices have run out. You know what I mean? Because you're just going back to that safe yeah. place. And and I think that's Rodney challenging himself. But I think that's a glimpse, that this is a glimpse into that team to say, yeah, we can go 65 races and not win. We're good. We still know how to win. And that's what makes it dangerous. It, you know what I mean? Because some people just forget how to win. Some teams just forget how to win. Some teams forget how to communicate with each other. And that's when you see crew chief changes. And that's when you see drivers move on. But these guys still have... It's crazy when you talk to them, when you when you hear them, in interviews is one thing, but when you sit and talk to them, it's crazy the confidence they still have in each other. And that long a dry spell, they're they're still married. You know what I mean? There's there's no sign of, of a split up. There's no sign of divorce. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're still married, which is, which speaks volumes to who Kevin Harvick is as a person, and to who Rodney Childress is as a person. Forget the racing part of it. They're just committed to each other. Yeah.
2: I think bands and musical artists generally have about four to five, maybe six good albums in them. And then yeah. after that, it's like, yeah, how do they keep producing? And so maybe, I don't know, maybe this was like the Renaissance, maybe the Abbey Road for Sir yeah. Sir Great George point. Martin and Lennon McCartney for uh, Harvick and Childress here that's in Michigan.
0: Most bands, when they run out of stuff, <laughs> they do a duet album with Willie Nelson or <laughs> Dolly Parton, and then that brings them back. You know, that's it. <laughs> That's it.
2: <laughs> so Bubba Wallace, of course, was on the other side of this, as we mentioned. Second place finish, and he's in this incredible stretch in his career, Kyle, where I, I think I heard LaTarte compare this this morning, kind of like to where Suarez was earlier this year, where, you know, hey, Chastain's winning. What's Suarez yeah. doing? And Suarez kind of like stepped it up and wins at Snowman. I feel like we've sort of seen this with Bubba Wallace. Like, hey, what's Bubba doing? Kurt Busch won at yep. Kansas as his teammate, and now Bubba's got career best four straight top tens. He gets a second on an intermediate track for the first time, but as you noted and as everybody saw who watched the NASCAR and NBC broadcast on USA, just wears his emotions on his sleeve in this interview with Parker Kligerman says...
3: Bubba Wallace finishes second, and Bubba, I saw you take a moment in the car here when you pulled up and just collecting your thoughts. What was going through your mind here as you pulled up and sat in the car? Uh, Just... um. Replaying everything I could have done. Took the top there on the restart. Thought I could, you know, hang with the four and just got to racing the five and the 22. And uh, I'll wear this one in my heart for a while. I failed everybody.
2: You've gotten to know Bubba fairly well over the years and he drove for the king. Is he being too hard on himself here? Or do you think, like, this is the the sign of a driver who just is going to succeed because he demands
0: excellence? That's a good question because... I think every driver demands a lot from themselves. It's how you deal with yourself. How does Bubba deal with it when he's at home? How does he deal with it when he's alone? How does he deal with it at 2 o'clock in the morning? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know what I mean? I mean, that was fresh emotion. But how does he deal with it today? You know, And th- that, that becomes the question for me is I, we can look at 15 other drivers. Just pick a random selection. Let me rephrase that. Pick 15 other drivers that have personality because there's a lot of b- drivers that don't have any personality. So yeah. they, w- they wouldn't know. <laughs> you don't know whether they've had a good day or a bad day. Yeah, You, you understand yeah. what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, I do. But, but just pick 10 or 15 other drivers. Is we're, t- what, three races left, 23 races into the season. We were sitting here 12, 13 races ago saying, Bubba better be looking over his shoulder. My guy Kurt's, Kurt's up there, like you said. Kurt's winning. And Bubba's finishing his car number. He's finishing 23rd, <laughs> 21st, same place, same old Bubba. Yeah. You know, new car, same old Bubba. And then all of a sudden, they hit on something. You know, Booty and those guys, they just pull together. There's a pit crew change. Pit crew change seems to be working for Christopher Bale and for Bubba. I mean, it seems to be – you don't see that a lot. You see some things happen. And he's putting together top fives and top tens. And you would think that a guy that couldn't run in the top 20 15 races ago would show a little joy, you know, and just be a little happier to at least run second. But we see devastation instead of any spark of happiness. You know what I mean? Any, you know, give me a positive. Had good pit stops. We overcame this. Give me a positive. The whole interview was Eeyore-esque. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it was just, thanks for noticing me. I run second today. It's just, you know, yeah. And and I, I do like the fact that, he, he put some of it on himself and that he says, I let the team down. Because it's not that many weeks ago that he blasted that team over the radio. You know what I mean? They didn't blast him. He blasted them. And I don't see any of those guys' names in the paper blasting <laughs> him today for what he did. Right. You know what I mean? Which that's, that's just the nature of where this business is. Bubba got beat by inexperience. And that's all I can say. From an analyst looking at his moves the last few laps, we can compare, it's the perfect example of what we were talking about earlier. Kevin Harvick has such a vast knowledge and a deep well of experience that he can go back and say, fifty laps ago, I'm on the pole. This is we're at Michigan. I can do this. Here's my play. Bubba doesn't have that list. Bubba's like, 50 races ago, I was watching it on TV from home. You know, I, I, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he just yeah. doesn't have that. But you create that by putting yourself in a position and getting beat or by putting yourself in that position and winning and remember it. He's going to remember the loss more than he's going to remember the win. Next time, he won't put himself in a position to race Larson. He won't put himself in a position to be held up by Joey Logano. Next time, he'll be a smarter driver. He'll be a better driver. And you'll look back at this. Chase Elliott at Dover should have won a race up there and got beat. I can't. I can't. He just oh got yeah. out-drove. Oh, It was uh, five years ago. Yeah. Kyle Bush beat him yeah. in the closing J- laps. Just yeah. out-drove yeah. that's You got beat by inexperience, bud. Yeah. It, not that you didn't have the better car. not You just got beat. We've all been beat by, by inexperience. That's what rookies are. That's what young drivers do. Mm-hmm. You learn from that guy. Bubba should go home and take this piece of videotape and watch it and watch Kevin Harvick. Watch what Kevin Harvick does. Watch how he uses the other drivers to his advantage. So, you know, I don't think Bubba should be that hard on himself because I thought he drove a great race. I thought he did everything that he could do to put themselves in position. I thought Booty did everything they could do. They got beat by circumstances. They got beat by cautions. They got beat because of inexperience. But they didn't get outrun. And if you don't get outrun, that's a plus. That's a huge plus because yeah. you know you've got speed and that's the one thing Denny can take away from it. I didn't get outrun. I got beat because this happened or this happened, but I didn't get beat beat. You start winning poles and running like bubble run yesterday. There, there's wins coming.
2: And you make a really good point. I'd completely forgotten about how much he had trashed his picker. And yeah. somewhat, I mean, you can say whether or not you should do it in public, yeah. but it was somewhat justifiable because they really hurt him, did. I think, at like Nashville yes. and Kansas and Charlotte. There, there were all these places where he had cars that maybe were as fast as what he had at yeah. Michigan. And and it short circuited him, but I think it's interesting how hard he was on himself, Kyle, because he drives for Denny, who has yeah. standards in his life that are very high. hasn't won a championship. It seems to make the championship final every year. Uh, he drives for Michael Jordan, who yep. many people would say, you know, greatest professional athlete of all time. Played as if he had everything to prove to everyone when he had nothing to prove to anyone. Yep. Six NBA titles. Do you think some of that is rubbing off on Bubba? Is so that so? Here's a what thing? I'm
0: here's what I'm going to say. If I could sit down with Bubba and I hear what you're saying, yeah. But this is what I'm going to say to him, and and I I, I would say it this way: Look at Dale Junior. Look at Kyle Petty. Is be you, be the best Bubba Wallace you can be. I don't I don't care what Richard Petty says. I don't care what Dale Earnhardt Senior said. Okay, and and he shouldn't care what Denny says or what what Michael says or what their standards are. He has to have his own standards. I, I think Bubba lets the, and I'll, I'll just say it. I think Bubba lets the. Denny Hamlin, Michael Jordan being the only black race car driver, NASCAR driver, he feels that weight on his shoulders. And at some point in time, he's got to put that on a shelf and just say, I am a race car driver. I don't give a rat's rear end who I drive for. I don't care what I do. I am a race car driver and I'm going to be the best race car driver that I can be. I think He's trying. He is trying so hard to be the best race car driver he can be. But he's got a backpack on right now, and there's a lot of weight in that backpack, and he's the only one that can drop that backpack. He's the only one. And that's why I said earlier, it's whether whether he's still hard on himself today or whether he's still hard on He's got to pack that away somewhere.
2: Only those in his inner circle, I guess, know how he's yeah. digesting it today. It would be, right. be very interesting to know that. And Clearly now three races to go. In the regular season at richmond watkins Glen, Daytona. he's got a win, and stunningly, Kyle, now it seems either Ryan Planey or yeah. Martin Truex Jr., maybe both are going to need a win here in the last three races. Uh, for the first time ever in the Cup Series, there have been 15 winners through 23 races. There are 16 spots in the playoffs. So right now... Martin Truex Jr. is fourth in points, 19 points behind. He's fourth in the standings, 19 points behind Ryan Blaney, who is second in the point standings. But right now, only Ryan Blaney is in the playoffs because neither Blaney or Truex has a win. What do you make of that? I guess we, is this is something we never could have imagined.
0: No, it's not. Listen, I, I, like I said earlier, I, I, I said it a couple of weeks ago, Blaney and Truex are in. I didn't see anybody winning. D- Daytona was your only wild card for me, and I didn't see anybody jumping up and, and winning at Michigan or, or doing something different. I say it again. I didn't see Kevin Harvick. Did not see Kevin Harvick. But I, I look at it now, and I think, ooh, it is must win. And they've talked it as must win. But we don't even have to ask the question. If I hear any other reporters say, is this a must win? They need to be slapped in the side of the head. Plead uh, guilty. Yeah, because, <laughs> it, but, but because it's a must win. Yes. You know, everybody. And, and now it's a must win from Blaney to Eric Jones to Ricky Stenthouse to Austin Dillon. I mean, it's everybody. I look at Stenthouse, Austin Dillon, Bubba Wallace, and Eric Amarola. Daytona's looking good for those guys. Yeah. There's I'm four guys that could win Daytona right there. Four guys that are below Blaney and Truex. So that means that if I'm Blaney and I'm Truex, i got to be looking at Katie Barr the door, pull all the stops. we got to get some, make something happen at Richmond or Watkins Glen. And those are two tracks that are tough to make something happen. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's just tough. So, I, you know, I think Truex has a shot at, at Richmond. Good place for him. Good place for Toyota. Yep. Toyota seemed to have found some speed. I think Truex is a good road racer. So I look at him at at Watkins Glen. So maybe he, from a win perspective, I see him probably a little bit ahead of Blaney. But Blaney's just had terrible luck too. He should have already won two or three races, you know, from, from that perspective. But again, then you throw in those guys that are behind him and it's like, I don't think the field got narrower for that 16th spot. I think the field expanded for that 16th spot in a strange way. Because I do throw Austin Dillon and uh, Eric Almirola and, and Eric Jones and those guys. I throw them into that these last two or three races from, from that standpoint of winning a race, not by points. Not by points. But I think somebody's going to win.
2: Yeah, and you're right. Either of these guys, both Blaney or Truex, could win Richmond. Dustin Long gathered some post-race sound at Michigan for us, and he had Blaney talking very optimistically. Right. what you're going to ask. So uh,
3: shame that uh, <laughs> another car won. We went in just. We didn't need the four-car win, so uh, just trying to try to win uh, next few weeks and abandon the 19 points. It'll be uh, it'll be exciting, that's for sure. So hopefully we can. Pick them. You have gotten better at Richmond. I know that was one of your worst tracks. Toyota's were strong. I think Truex finished fourth last week, so there could be a potential another new winner. What kind of challenge is that for next week or concern for next week for you? It's always a challenge any single week you go. Um, I we sat on the pole and won the first stage in the, the spring, so that was, that was nice. And we just trying to build off that. What, what did we need later in the race to try to stay up there? So um, hopefully those you know things apply and we can turn around and make me even better and And uh, contend. That's how you can do. Could you have ever imagined 15 different winners at this point in the season?
2: I can't now. Blaney generally sounded positive. Dustin also talked to Truex. And, you know, Truex probably had the second best car at Richmond in the spring. in the spring. And lost to Hamlin, kind of on tire strategy. But Truex didn't kind of sound as upbeat. And I think it might have had to do with the fact that he and James Small had kind of Sniped at each other and some frustration on the radio under the last caution. Listen,
3: we can't pit again. We,
1: we keep pit. We ain't going anywhere because it all went bad. Now you want to pit again? Screw up
3: the rest of the. Ra- I, I just I've I lost it where we're at here. That's all. We're so caught on restarts. Everybody else on the same strategy manages to keep going forward, and we go back with every restart. So we gotta get as, get as many as
2: we can now. And Truex said after the race, "Racing were
3: really good in the spring, but we were probably second best cars, so we need to figure out how to be better than that." Watkins uh, Glen up in the air. We've been good there in the past, but you know, road court stuff, like I said, has gone off. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. we will just see. We'll, we'll go fight hard like we always do. And uh, we got a great team. We've had a decent year. Just the only thing missing is that win. And that's obviously what what matters now. So got to find a way to get it done. At one point, there's radio conversation. You were kind of confused or frustrated, I think, talking back with James. Yeah, I mean, mostly frustrated about our power restarts. Just uh, crazy tight end restarts. And in traffic, and that really ended our, our chances of winning. Uh, we had pretty decent speed at times, but uh, yeah, I just don't know. We, uh, we, I thought we were on one strategy, and then we lost some stuff in the restart, and then we switched strategies and gave up stage points to try to do the other one, and then we were going to pit again, and I was just kind of confused. So uh, he's doing his best up there, I know, and uh, we just need to be faster.
0: We need to figure this thing out a little bit better, and uh, I need to do a better job behind the wheel. So, where do you think that team is? Yeah, okay, so here's where I'm at, and this is. I'm going to speak to this from personal experience. And I'm, I'm not saying that Truex is this way. I'm I'm not. I am not comparing myself to Truex in any way. And I'm not saying that Truex is this way. I'm just going to say I've been around this sport a pretty good while. And I have seen drivers in this situation that Truex is in. and And I'll speak to this. And I've been in this situation is once the conversation starts to revolve around last year, retirement, is it time, what should I do? You're out Mm -hmm. in the conversation. You're not a player anymore because something has wedged its way into that room in your head called desire and the door is cracked and that desire is seeping out. I had made up my mind to stop driving before Adam's accident and then had to drive past that I didn't do anything after Adam's accident because I'd already, I was headed in that direction. I've seen drivers, just come back one more year. Just come back one more year. No, doesn't work. I've seen drivers retire and then say, I retired too soon. Come back, no, they don't have it. It's just not there. I'm sorry, there's something There's something that's just not there. So that's what bothers me about Truex. I have no facts on that, yes. <laughs> I have no yes. facts. Right. I'm just saying I have seen other drivers, I've been in that situation. TrueX at New Hampshire absolutely dropped the ball on a restart. On that last restart. Sorry, you got beat on that last restart. You you can explain it away and you can explain it away in your head, but so when James called him out on it, I got that. When drivers start trying to make pit decisions from the seat, yeah. I have a problem with that always too. Yeah. And this is not a knock on on, on TrueX. All drivers do it. But you don't see the big picture. You don't see the chessboard. You don't see where all the players are, whether they did two, whether they did four, whether they gas and go. What are we doing? You know, how this work? So I, I think that's a little bit different. So my concern for Truex is not whether he can drive. I think he is one of the best drivers to ever set in a car and get the most out of a car. I just don't think he's reaching for the most right now because of where he's at. I think Blaney, on the other hand saying, well, won a segment. Well that's like me saying, I played golf and I had two good shots. <laughs> I, should, I should probably play in the Masters. Team. You know, I had two good shots, man. Yeah. You know, put the whole thing together. Yeah. I've seen Blaney put two thirds of a race together. You know what I mean? In that team. But they've not put a whole race together all year long. All year long they've not put a whole he has killed my fantasy league because he <laughs> has not put a whole race together. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, so you gotta close. You know, you gotta you gotta get there. You gotta so that's what concerns me about them. Um, and then you look at, at the, uh, some of the other guys I mentioned, like like um, um, the 10, like Eric Amarola and like Austin and those guys. They're liable and just as likely to hit on a combination at Daytona or somewhere, or at Richmond, just like Kevin Harvick did last week. Just like Chase Briscoe did in Phoenix. Just like Christopher Bell did. How do you know they're not going to hit on something? And We've seen the Childress group. With Tyler Reddick, how do you know this three car is not going to hit on something and just kill him? Because I think I think Austin's pretty good at Richmond also. Yeah. But but you look at it and you think, man, you're that close to being in and that close to being out, and it may come down to nothing you do. It may come down to something somebody else does. That's just spectacular at the moment
2: and i appreciate the answer on tricks because i was sort of what i was leading you to was that's been in my mind especially yeah. since yesterday at michigan that like hey it was rather publicly discussed yeah to your point like we don't have any facts about what was going nope, on there not workings, but we do know that he very publicly said i'm not sure if i want to drive sure. in 2020 and the
0: not sure speaks volumes yeah to me the not sure speaks volumes yeah interesting
2: so i don't know if we've gotten or at least I haven't heard your take on this, Kyle. So I'm curious about another Toyota driver. Kyle Busch has another tough day at Michigan. Extends his career worst streak of finishes outside the top 10 to eight races. So just got squeezed between the 10 spinning and myself and the fence. So um, just don't get it, man. Just can't buy a brake right now.
3: What's the level of frustration? You said you can't buy a brake. You had a car that you thought you could win.
2: Uh, One out of 10, infinity. Meanwhile, like not to pour salt in the wounds, but Ty Gibbs drives up to 10th after a speeding penalty late in the race uh, in his third cup start. Again, Ty Gibbs wowing everybody, gains 14 spots on this final run, finishes 10th, and shows again that the future might be now at Joe Gibbs Racing. Yeah. Wait, what do you make of everything
0: that's happening there? So a couple things. Listen, <laughs> and it's not a joking matter, so let me go ahead and say that, but Kyle Busch has such a black cloud over him right now. He goes to the mall and, and, and crazy. And no, I know. It's not, know a, matter, but yeah, it's not exactly a joking like, matter. It's not a joking matter. What else can happen what to else, this guy this What else season? can happen yeah. to Kyle and Samantha and that family? What else can happen, man? I mean, it's like crazy. So I think you look at that and you think, you know, every driver goes through that. Every driver goes through. Everything's working good. Nothing works at all. And Kyle Bush just happens to be in one of those stages where nothing works at all. He did Exactly what he needed to do yesterday. He's running third, running fourth. Competition caution comes out. They all pit. Boom, he's in a wreck. And, and so was Cindric. and so was a couple others of the guys. But you don't say, well, Cindric got in a wreck too. No, you say Kyle Busch was in that wreck. <laughs> right, you know? right. And because that's where we're at right now. I don't know. Kyle Busch has always been so good at just exploding in his helmet and being able to put it all back together and drive away from the field. I don't know if this contract and what his plans are for next year is so big he can't get it all put back together. Uh, I don't think that's all of it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's all of it because they're having mechanical issues and having other things too. But when people say, ah, it's not a distraction. If you're talking about it, it's a distraction. I'm sorry. If you're wasting your breath on it and having to answer questions on it, it's a distraction in some way uh, because that's not what you want to be talking about. is contracts are running bad. And then you do look at Ty Gibbs and I said this listen when and I don't even know what year it was when Ty won that very first road course at Daytona Tw- yeah 2021 Twenty twenty one. Christopher Bell wins the road course and then I made the comment if I'm a Gibbs driver I better be looking over my shoulders because I'm watching the future Yeah, I'm watching the future right there it just happened and Danny got a little upset with me and that, that's okay you know what I mean I didn't say it's going to happen next week I just said you're watching the future. It's 2022. The future's here. Christopher Bell's winning races. Ty Gibbs is substituting and running and finishing races, and looks good. And looks good. Is he all the way there? No, he's not all the way there. Don't don't give him that yet. But you see, Gibbs is in a good place to build something. So to have a Denny, to have a Denny and a Truex, and to have a Ty and a Christopher Bell. He's kind of in the same position or position himself if he goes that route that Rick Hendrick did with William Byron, Bowman, and Chase Elliott yeah. and just suffered through it for a year or two. And I think Brad said it yesterday, Brad Darty. and I thought that's the best way to put it. Uh, all the guys that have run the full cup schedule this year have run 23 races in this car. They are 20 races ahead of Ty Gibbs. 20 races. That's all. 20 races ahead in this brand new car. If Ty does not move to Cup next year, then Ty ends up being 56 races behind what they already know. So if you've seen what Ty can do, somebody needs to be slapping him in a car somewhere and let him get his experience here. We know, listen, so you're kicking the high school boy's butt, you know, in the the Xfinity Series. I'm proud of you, son. You're doing good. But if you want to be in high school the rest of your life, stay over there. If you want to learn cup, come here, just like Rick did with William Byron. Bring him on up. Take it on the chin. Go ahead and run it. He's a good kid. It's a good story. You'll get a couple of years PR out of that just because. So I think if I'm Kyle and I'm looking at it and I'm 36 or 37, 37, 37, and I'm thinking, "Whoo, a lot more blue sky over there than there is with me. My blue sky, my sun's going down. Not that I'm ready to retire, please. I'm not saying that Kyle Bush should retire at 37. But I'm on the back eight or ten years of my career where he's on the front 25 years of his career. Ty gives us. So, yeah. yeah, Ty Gibbs is. So it's, it's just a different thing. So if I'm Kyle Bush, I'm forcing the issue and I'm taking a deal and I'm getting back in the game. Let me get back in the game and then, then we'll establish, you know, what I need to do long term. But I got to get back in the game because I don't think he's in the game I don't think he's in the game on the racetrack, and I don't think he's in the game to have a ride, to have a top ride, unless they put him at Stuart Haas, which – Uh, He'd be a great teammate to Kevin Harvey. We know that. (laughs) Kevin certainly wants him. Yes. Yeah. But you talk about
2: those distractions, Kyle. And, uh, you know, like, I wonder is it fair to wonder about what's happening with Gibbs? Because, as we said, Denny Hamlin has this pit penalty because too many guys go over the wall to get that tire. And Hamlin says after the race Denny Hamlin, arguably, had
3: one of the fastest cars here at Michigan, had that pit road penalty after leading a ton of laps. How dejected is this one? Well, it's just frustrating. You know, we've had um, you know really fast cars throughout the year, and uh, Dover comes to mind, and Pocono comes to mind, and this race comes to mind, and a bunch of others, but just uh, can't get a W in the column. Um, you know, hats off to Joe Gibbs Racing for giving me a car that fast and my team for setting it up really good. And um, we just – this is the piece of the puzzle you got to have to – To win races, you know, everyone's got to do their job to the best of the ability, and we just, uh, we're we're lacking in in one little section of our team that we just can't uh, hem up. How do you go from here with this situation? Do you talk to Chris Gabehart, obviously he knows the situation. How do you fix it as we get rumble towards the playoffs? I'm not sure, Uh, you know, it's, uh, I'm not really sure how how you fix it. I'm not, you know, smart enough to to run the department to to fix it. it's just, uh, I just hope that uh, we, we make strides and, and keep getting better. And, you know, I just, uh, it's frustrating because when you have fast cars like our Toyotas had this weekend, there's just absolutely no, uh, no excuse for not winning. And, um, you know, we're the ones that have to look each other in the face uh, on Monday and figure out how we just keep doing this. And so um, hopefully we can make it constructive and, and continue to get better. But uh, obviously it's disappointing.
2: It's weird with Gibbs. Like, every team shows that it can run well and be yeah. up in points. And, you know, Hamlin and Kyle Busch and Christopher Bell will show they can win. But yet it seems like each week we're talking about a mistake or an error yeah. or something going wrong with the driver or the pit crew. Yeah. Team.
0: You know, I think, I think you look at Rick, uh, and let's look at, at the Hendrick organization, and let's look at the Penske organization. They are mirror images of their leader, meaning Rick's buttoned up. Rick's on top of it. Rick has his T's crossed. Jeff Gordon there now. Mm-hmm. They're on top of it. They don't let things go too long before they fix them. Penske's never let anything go long before he fixes it. If the crease is not right in my pants, I could <laughs> change pants. Yeah, You know what I mean? I right. mean, that, that. I mean, let's be honest. Joe has always been one, and I don't know if it comes from the NFL and it comes from coaching. It's let them sort it out. Th- they'll sort it out. You know what I mean? They make – million a year. Let them sort it out. They're an NFL player. I don't have to coach them. They know how to play ball. I'm just giving them the stuff. So it's a little bit different philosophy. And I think the philosophy, Joe's philosophy, bites him sometimes. I think it's a plus sometimes. But I think that coaching philosophy of let them work it out individually. This is the defensive team. This is the offensive. This is special teams, whatever. It's like, no, no. Somebody's got to get in there and and step up. Somebody. I I think Coy does a great job and has done a great job of of organizing that and and getting there. But I still think it's a philosophical issue that the Gibbs organization has. You don't think about them in the same buttoned-up, that Penske-Hendrick-type organization. I just don't think about them that way. That's a Kyle thing. I I just don't think. Now, I am going to say this about Denny's penalty yesterday. If we go back way, way back in time when Chad and Jimmy were together – they had that same type pit penalty at Daytona at an opening. They didn't consider opening being over the wall. They didn't consider that line being over the wall or on pit road because it's a neutral zone. It's an opening. And that guy ran out in an opening to get that tire. So I've seen, we've seen that penalty before. That's not the first time that penalty was ever called. But that's, that is where, and I go back to it, if you remember the nine-car pit stop, at Martinsville, oh, right. where he jumps over, goes back, and tags resets, up. And he resets. Knows and resets and comes up because he knows he's got to do it. Yep. That's a penalty. That's buttoned up. That's knowing the rules. That's buttoned up. That's being where you need to be and understanding your surroundings in the situation you're in. These guys didn't understand the situation. Whether they knew the rules or didn't know the rules, they didn't understand how they were implemented and how they were enforced, and they got a penalty. So that goes back to the philosophy philosophy as far as I'm concerned. Yeah,
2: that knowing the rules won Chase La at that Martinsville race, got yes. to the Phoenix and won the championship, championship. in 2020. That's so right. That was critical. That's the moment. I've got two more things. I've already talked way too long about Michigan. No, so no. No, that's for, good, man. For making this run so long, but I've got two more things to do. One is the book, but first I have a new segment here on the NASCAR and NBC podcast, The Motor Mouths of the Race, presented by eBay Motors. This is a new feature in which oh. we're going to talk about a notable quote from the race that just happened. So I've picked out a quote from Kevin Harvick. Dustin Along
3: NBC Sports, Kevin, you've been through a lot in your career, so your your steady
1: and how you do things. I'm curious about the mental toughness. I'm sure at times the 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 windless street aspects of it bothered you, but it doesn't destroy you. It, you know the pressure building, you know making the playoffs. It doesn't. You don't wilt. How have you kind of been able to refine that, and how how's that developed throughout your career, um, and how much you know experience helps helps you in situations like this. This is all easy, you know, to, to deal with. It's really not that hard. You know, you just compartmentalize it and and, you know, you, you set it aside and, and you 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 know, we try to act like grown ups and show up to work every morning and there's really no match for jumping in a race car and and taking over for Dale Earnhardt. So there's nothing like that. there's nothing like that was for you know, the first six or eight weeks. You just can't match it. Never will. Never come close. There's just, there's nothing even close. I mean, there's no, never going to be a media session that big again. There's never going to be conversation that big again. There's never going to be a bigger moment in my career. I've had all those. And, you know, it's just the rest, the rest of this stuff is, is pretty easy to deal with um, compared to, to, to those moments. So there's those moments you just, you can't you can't match. And, you know, I think that everything after that is, you know, that was that was the training ground. That was the start of the process.
2: So I found that quote interesting yeah. because uh, sometimes I think we forget, uh, and, you know, we going back forget. to our earlier discussion about Harvick and how mentally tough he is, yeah. I, I think it just sort of gets forgotten that, oh, by the way, and m- maybe because he sort of downplays it, except in instances when he brings it up like this, that yeah.
0: he replaced yeah. an icon, seven-time champion. We do, we do forget that. that. Listen, not only do we forget that, We forget how good Kevin was right off the bat. Right. Right right off the bat from the moment he stepped in. Yeah. Under that much pressure, under that many eyes, under that much scrutiny, a number change. I mean, so many things. But you knew that was a three car. You know what I mean? You knew that was Earnhardt's team. You knew that was, that car was supposed to run a certain way. And Kevin ran it that way. And and for me, I, I, I think... I, I didn't think about it until I went to Bakersfield and, and the, the wrestling thing and, and spent some time with him. And, and that is you realize that Kevin Harvick has been this mentally tough since he was 12 years old. Right. And it, there's just been moments in his life that has reinforced that toughness and made him tougher. He's been case hardened. He's walked through fire and he's come out the other side stronger. Not weaker, stronger. There's nothing in his career that's made him weaker. And I think that's what he's saying by this quote is, 60-some races, that did not make me weaker. That did not change me. I'm still Kevin Harvick. This was the moment that forged me. These were the moments that made me, and this moment just made me stronger and sharper. And, and I think that is 180 degrees from where Bubba Wallace is at right now. Right. right? And if I'm going to talk to a young driver, I'm going to say, emulate Kevin Harvick. Be Kevin Harvick. Listen to what he says. Listen to how he talks. See Kevin Harvick when you look in the mirror. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because you want to be that strong. We're not all that strong. And, and that's not a weakness for Bubba. That's not what I'm saying. But it just shows the different position that two drivers that finish three and a half seconds apart, how far apart they really can be in reality. That's well said. So that was Motor Mouths of the Race presented by eBay Motors. At eBay
2: Motors, you can be your own pit crew with 122 million parts right at your fingertips. Get the right parts at the right prices. eBayMotors.com. Let's
0: ride. So... Let's close so on. Speaking some of business. eBay Motors, yes. yeah, I, li- I like that commercial where that where that chick rides that motorcycle yeah. and does it, and then gets in the car. Yeah, I want that car that rides out across she's the lake. She's got
2: like one of those uh, those duck boats. Yeah, yeah, I, I love Boston. those things, man. Those I, love things cool. I, love yeah. I love that. I love that eBay Motors. Yeah, I love that. I love commercial that commercial as well. I do. So I do. She's uh, the spokesperson. So yeah, I'm glad we got associated. Maybe with that.
0: I can get enough parts from eBay Motors to build me one of those things. Maybe I can make my Prius one of those. Let's oh,
2: let's ride. Let's ride, Kyle. So for the people watching on YouTube, I'm now holding up. Kyle Petty's new book *Swerve oh, Die*, which comes Dye. out tomorrow. Yes, comes out tomorrow, people. So I read that you said that this book was more kind of personal therapy. It was. Than it just ended up being. Stories. It, it
0: ended up being honestly, Nate. I, I think I sat down, and and during the pandemic, and, and we talk about this. You know, listen, if I could be a writer, I would want to be. I want to be you. <laughs> I mean, I, and I'm, I I mean that. That's a compliment. I mean, I'm and I'm being serious that. about it. I'm being. I wish I could write. You know, I wish I could, could form the words and tell a story. And, and that's why, I, that's why I play music because I love the writing part. I'm not a great guitar player, but I love verse, first chorus, first, first chorus, bridge, chorus. You know, I, I like that part to tell a story and try to condense it in, in as few words as possible. But during the pandemic, I, I would get up in the morning and write music and play. And one day I thought, um, you know, I'm going to write down some stories just for Overton and Cotton and, and now Devant and for Morgan, because they didn't, they, they didn't know me when I was 25. They didn't know what I did, you know, and, and the things I did and the driving a race car. So this would just be more of that. So we started, and then one thing led to another, and uh, Morgan read it, and she was like, okay, that's pretty good. You know, that's decent. You, you don't know anything about punctuation or <laughs> spelling, but that's really good. You know, and I'm like, I got you. I got you. Don't, don't get too deep. So I got up with Ellis Hennigan, uh, who wrote Michael's book. And, and that's got up with him and I sent him some stuff and he would send some stuff and we started talking and, and, and we came up with this. And I think it, it goes through a lot of stuff. It, it goes, listen, it goes from the time I was born and being brought home by the cops, when I rode a motorcycle on a highway, <laughs> to a pair of underwear, when I drove for the Wood Brothers, to Michael Waltrip's stinky shoes to, <laughs> I mean, it goes through a lot of stories, yeah. you know what I mean? And these are just stories, uh, are my stories, and you know me, hell, I got a million stories. But it also weaves in uh, when my Uncle Randy was killed at, at Talladega and Adam's accident. And it starts with Adam's accident with Mike and, and with Montgomery Lee and with Austin and when, with my whole family. And, 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 you know, I think for me, I, and I'll, I'll be honest, is that's the stuff, the, 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 the Randy stuff and the Adam stuff was stuff that you think you deal with. You know you honestly think you deal with it and i listen, I went to therapy for a little while i I went through some dark times and and just wasn't right but um you you think you you you've dealt with it and then you start writing it, yeah, and you realize you never dealt with it, you know, so you pull that page and there's another page under it, and there's something else, and it's like peeling back the layers of an onion, and you realize that all you have to do is lift that first little bit. And it's still just as raw as it was. You know, I'd never really dealt with Randy being, being killed. And, and had to go back and deal with that. And had to go back and, and deal with Adam and, and a lot of that. And it was incredibly emotional. Yeah. And, and I'm not going to lie. And then I went through, then I did the audio book. And I like to never got through the audio book because I would just break down reading the audio book. You know what I mean? Because wow. to see it in writing is one thing. Yeah. And to write it is one thing because it's like, okay, that's out. That's out of my body, yeah. <laughs> that's out here, but then to read it again, and it's a different place yeah. again, yeah, so it was it was it's not all that deep and not all that <laughs> sad, so let me let me say that, but that was the tough part yeah that that was the tough part for me was revisiting that at the same time, revisiting some of those stories were just fun, man, yeah. and just laughing about them and and some of the things that I remembered that that we did when I was. 17 or 18 or 21 or 22 or 36 or 38, you know, they were just fun. So that part was fun. So it was therapeutic because you had really high highs, but you had really low lows too.
2: So like therapeutic, but also, as you said, a memoir at the right time in your life. Yes. You've been married to Morgan for the last six Six plus years years. and you have three
0: children now. So it was just, this was the time. And the pandemic was the perfect time. Yeah. Yeah, It it just was because we weren't doing any of these shows, your podcast, we weren't doing... You weren't leaving the house, and Morgan yeah. was pregnant with with cotton with our second child, and, and it's like we dang sure weren't leaving because you didn't. Nobody knew how COVID a- affected pregnant women at the time, so we were just you just hold up in your own little world, and it gave you a chance to to just live in that little world and that and reevaluate. And and you know what? I, I've, it's really been amazing. And again, I said this earlier, you you understand music and you love music, but there's been so much good music and so much good art that have co- that has come out of the pandemic so many artists just locked up yeah and really locked out the outside world and got back to what their love was was the art yeah was was the painting was the wordsmith was the music was whatever it may be was the poetry they just got back to their their base and what they fell in love with from the very beginning yeah. to be a writer in the first place so that the pandemic was good for for some people. Yeah, the band
2: I just uh, reviewed a couple weeks ago who were here in Charlotte, the Black Keys, put yeah. out two albums in the pandemic. One was New Material, the other was North Mississippi like Hill Blues, yeah. They, yeah. they just did an album of covers. Yeah, just, it yeah. just kinda yeah. like. but
0: you just go in a different direction because yeah. you can, yeah. because you can, and that's yeah, back to where you want to be. Yeah, now, When you get to that place where you can explore and do the things you want to do, Yeah, not for financial gain, not for anything else, then you're back to the true sense of the word art and why you got into it in the first place. It wasn't to sell a million records. You know, it, w- it wasn't. You know, that might have been a dream at one time. But then you fall so in love with the music and with the words and with the meaning and with the feeling uh, that you become John Prime. <laughs> you know it, you know what I'm saying? You become Johnny Cash. You become that. You know, yeah. and Tom Petty. And, yeah. and that's where that comes from.
2: Yeah, that's cool. Swerver Dye is the Book. Speaking of music, just real quick, we'll end here. Dinner Drive this week, Avid Brothers. Avit Brothers.
0: Great uh, man, you know, I'm watching that. Oh, it, listen, <laughs> they are fantastic. I, it's so much fun hanging out with, with Scott and Seth. They are true artists in every sense of the word, they live for that art. They live to, to, to write the music, they feel the words, they live the words. Um, and Scott is an amazing visual artist. Uh, also, he went to school in East Carolina and, and majored in art. Uh, but it is to be around them is. And, and you're this way, to be around them, you're just, you feel creative. You know, you feel that creative spirit that they could just take, you know, two pieces of wood from out in the out in the woods and make up a song, and, you know, I'm going to dance along to it, or they're going to paint something or do something. So it was a lot of fun. That's cool, a lot of fun. that's cool,
2: man. That's cool. That's on Circle, Circle is on Peacock as well. On so Thursday night. Check Thursday that night, out. Thursday night, 9 so o'clock. 9 o'clock this week, Swerver Die out tomorrow. KP, thanks for being here. Thanks Thank for you. having
0: me, man. Thanks for having me.
2: We appreciate Kyle Petty joining us for a very fun discussion on the NASCAR NBC podcast, when I can spend the better part of 45 minutes with KP talking racing, music, and writing. My heart is full. And a reminder that as you hear this, swerve or die, his new memoir is available wherever you get books. And as you heard him say, there's an audio version of the book as well. The book's subtitle is Life at My Speed in the First Family of NASCAR Racing. Kyle Petty has had a fairly remarkable life story, and he also is an excellent storyteller, as he alluded to, and he's a very good songwriter, too. There is a lot he opens up about for the first time in this book, so it's definitely worth checking out. Swerve or Die is out now. Thanks to NBC Sports Senior Associate Producer Aaron Feldstein and Motorsports Manager Emily Conboy for helping line up Kyle Petty as the NASCAR NBC podcast guest today. As you heard, we taped this back in the NBC Sports Charlotte studio ahead of Motor Mouths, which you can check out Mondays and Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern on Peacock. You also can check out the video version of the NASCAR on NBC podcast on the Motorsports on NBC YouTube channel. So if you want to see the beautiful book cover that KP was talking about, check that out on the NASCAR on NBC podcast video episode on YouTube. NASCAR and NBC will be at Richmond Raceway this weekend for the Cup Series. Race coverage will begin at 2 p.m. Eastern on Sunday on the USA Network with Countdown to Green, followed by the race at 3 p.m. Check out NBCSports.com/slash NASCAR for detailed schedules and start times. If you have any NASCAR and NBC podcast feedback, you can send it to me on Twitter at Nate Ryan. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR and NBC podcast.